Section 28 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joseph Tabler. Criminal Investigation, a Practical Handbook for Magistrates, Police Officers, and Lawyers, Volume 3 by Hans Gross. Translated by John Adam and John Collier Adam. Section 5. Cheating at Games. A. General. Ever since they have been able to appreciate values, and that is long before the notion of money existed, men have gambled, and as long as men have gambled, so long have they cheated. Those who have devoted themselves to the industry of cheating, Chevalier d'Industrie, have at all times been the same, and it is probable will always remain the same. Intelligent, skillful, too lazy for honest work, too good livers to be able to want, too conscientious to refrain from taking from others sums the magnitude of which is in proportion to the awkwardness and simplicity of their dupes. The card cheat is called, in most of the continental countries, a Greek a word once commonly used to denote them in england also but now disappearing in that sense footnote thackeray uses it in the newcombs he was an adventurer a pauper a blackleg a regular greek chapter thirty six the word has its origin in the cheat apulus a knight of greek origin who towards the close of the reign of louis the fourteenth was caught in the very act of cheating at play in the palace of the grand monarch himself he was sent to the galleys and the nation which gave him birth became from that time a byword for swindler and blackleg the word now commonly used in most english-speaking countries for a card cheat is simply sharp this word has been employed in the most complete exposition of their methods published in recent years masculine's sharps and flats where he uses also the word flat to signify the person cheated we shall for brevity use these two words in the same sense throughout this section it is not always easy to prove that a person is a sharp it is often very difficult indeed to do so if a witness asserts that he has seen a player make a suspicious movement that is not much in the way of proof if the accused person has won heavily and often the case becomes stronger and if marked cards and certain special pockets in his clothes are found upon him the proof is almost complete but it will only be fully established by an examination of the antecedents of the individual rarely is this examination so necessary and rarely must it be pushed so far as when dealing with a sharp little regarding his past history will be obtained from the individual himself he will relate romantic stories to make investigation difficult or even impossible he proceeds in the same manner as those people who under false names pass their lives in prison as unknowns 
he has served before the mast traveled wasted his fortune been a comedian circus rider tamer of animals could tell a tale of people in high stations if he liked in short he has recourse to all possible subterfuges not to be obliged to confess that he has been without work for so many years and yet has lived well and always in the company of fools easy to cheat at cards if an investigating officer succeeds in unmasking the man it will be easy to place him in one of those categories of cheats that every investigating officer comes across during his career there is the sharp who works among the lower and middle classes he is as a rule a man who in his youth was good for nothing clever but incorrigible at school a regular bad boy up to all the tricks living subsequently upon the savings of his old mother and other relations delighting in performing nice little operations in borrowing and finally becoming the bully of some prostitute sometimes when he is blessed with good looks he is the paid lover of certain women and even levies blackmail balancing thus on the borders of crime he is not slow to enter the society of sharps where he can make an easy income live well and taking it all round have a pretty good time if he possesses the manual dexterity required for such a career there is the sharp who works among the upper classes he is nearly always the black sheep of a family who might have done well but has gone wrong through feebleness of character laziness and taste for an easy and agreeable existence the society in which he comes to grief the success of his knavery the profits he makes and the moment of his discovery and conviction are all dependent upon his luck and skill just as all sharps are like one another in their trade so they resemble one another in appearance of course we do not contend that even with large experience one can pick out a sharp from a crowd of individuals or that it is possible to say at once of a suspect whether he is a sharp or not but whenever we have to deal with the true sharp we will soon notice that he has the same airs the same manner of presenting himself the same look and the same behavior as all the other sharps one has ever had occasion to see be he a cheat who works among the upper ten or be he one of those who works in the eating-houses and drink-shops of the lower classes is of no moment all have at first a better appearance are more elegantly clothed have better manners and a more confident bearing than their professed walk in life would lead one to suppose but at the same time there is something peculiar about them the stamp of which does not seem quite authentic in what this thing consists it is difficult to say but all those who have often had business with such people are not slow to get the impression they perceive that the individual is not what he pretends to be that everything about him is fictitious and affected that he is not perfectly natural and that he is always hiding something let us further consider two things the glance and the hands betray the sharp this glance which they all have has especially when they do not think they are being watched something particularly quick penetrating and piercing about it 
short-sighted folk are naturally unfit for the trade of a sharp but those who have good eyes and whose existence and liberty depend upon their skill in observation and in noticing unobserved everything going on around them get so accustomed to practicing this glance that they cannot prevent themselves doing it even when they are not at the card table but find themselves in a grave situation a further peculiarity is that all these gentlemen train themselves to see things at a distance or to the right or to the left without being obliged to turn the head at least sensibly to do this they bend the head a little half close the eyelids to form a species of veil and roll the eyes on all sides with lightning rapidity and without any one sitting in front of them perceiving any strange movement of the head thus the player has no suspicion that the sharp in front of him sees and observes all that goes on around when a sharp has to face the investigating officer he knows very well that this time the game is a very serious one and that those gifts by which he has so often succeeded at the card table namely prudence perspicacity sang-froid and self-possession may draw him out of the fire there is no great difference between the actual situation and that in which he has so often found himself he therefore preserves his ordinary methods and rolls his eyes as usual it only suffices for the investigating officer to notice a single one of these glances to learn with whom he has to deal not less characteristic than the glance are the hands of sharps just as the tramp does not possess the horny hands of the honest workman, so the card-sharp has hands extraordinarily well cared for and manicured. They must be soft, supple, skillful, and most sensitive. The sharp takes great care not to do heavy work which would render the tips of his fingers rough and unsensitive. This delicacy of touch is absolutely necessary to enable him to recognize marked cards. It is said that sharps make their fingers more delicate by treating them with chemicals or even by scraping them. The author does not know whether this is true or not. It is hardly likely, for the resulting scars would render the fingers more insensible than before. But this is certain, that they rub their hands with grease, glycerin, cold cream, and other similar ointments. Part B. Methods of the Sharp the manner in which card sharpers proceed has been described in a thousand books and newspaper articles as well as in special works an anonymous work exists on the subject the printer of which is unknown entitled the cheat betrayed and all his secrets laid bare important information can also be found in the card conjurer by c l hoffman hamburg eighteen forty three and in Ave l'Alleman, already so often referred to. In France, a short time after the Revolution, a publication concerning cheating was published called Diogenes at Paris. Two other French works exist discussing very minutely the ways of sharps. Firstly, that of the conjurer robert houdin and secondly that of the late chief of the gaming police of paris monsieur cavaille 
A most complete work is that of John Neville Maskeline, called Sharps and Flats, London, 1895, and also one of the best books from our point of view is that of a certain Signor Domino, called Cards, Card Players, and the Secrets of Card Cheats, Breslau, 1886. The authors advise all investigating officers to read these last two books, and intend to make several extracts therefrom to show what a sharp is capable of doing. In the first place, the sharp, like the pickpocket, is able to do all that a conjurer can do, and if the latter executes tricks which we call pure sorcery, it may be very well admitted that the card sharper also performs many miracles of the same kind. The principal trick employed by a card sharper of this class consists in at the right moment, that is, when he contemplates some manipulation, distracting the attention of the person he is playing with by some dodge. He lets a bird fly, a shot crack, or gazes earnestly in front of him. All watch the bird, the shot, or look where the sharper is looking, and during that time the artist can do as he pleases. Nobody takes any notice of him. The aristocratic sharp does not use birds or shoot, but he can make a noise, upset a chair, suddenly yawn loudly, etc. All are occupied with the noise, and during that time the sharp also can do as he pleases. How far this can be carried is shown by a story that has lately been circulating in the newspapers. An elegant Tripolitan had determined to break the bank at Monte Carlo. Here a directly dishonorable manipulation is really impossible, as for such a purpose one would have to corrupt all the officials. That cannot be done, but one of them can be bought over, and this took place. Then a female accomplice came on the scene, an elegant lady who was so clumsy with her rouleau of money that suddenly about one thousand louis rolled from the table to the floor. Everyone was occupied in picking up the money, and by the time the lady had secured all safely, a second deal had taken place. Arranged cards, with the help of the raking-in croupier, had been brought on the board, and in the course of the evening the people concerned won an immense sum. It is difficult to say where cheating goes on most. As a rule, it goes on wherever games of chance are played. Above all, it must not be believed that cheating is only practiced in gaming houses, where several confederates bear down upon a single individual for the purpose of robbing him. The real sharp, who works alone or with confederates, tries to get into society where games of chance are played, and once there he begins to operate. For this he employs, says Signor Domino, seven elements, namely faked cards, transferring, false cards, accomplices, the false shuffle, the forced cut, and passing. A. Faking cards consists in marking them in various ways, the borders of certain cards, e.g. the picture cards and the aces, are scraped with a sharp knife so that they become rough to the touch while the others remain smooth. At times the cards are pricked with a hot needle dipped in white wax, the wax corks the hole and makes it invisible to the eye, but it can be felt with the hand. 
Sometimes the backs of the good cards are rubbed with pumice stone to make them rough while the others are rubbed with soap to make them more slippery. Another method is to draw on the backs of the cards certain marks which are uniformly colored and which the sharp at once notices. In marking cards, two principles are employed. Either the cards have each a distinctive mark placed in the same convenient position, or the mark is identical in every case, the indication being given by the position which it occupies. Some systems are based upon a combination of the two principles, but all are developments of either one or the other. When the mark, whatever it may be, is placed at the end of the card, it is of course necessary to mark both ends. Some players use cards with beveled edges, as there are four sides to a card, and they may be cut straight or slanting, flat or round, there is no want of combinations. Many other methods of marking cards are employed, which we cannot mention here. They will be found exhaustively explained and illustrated in Maskelyne's admirable book. These processes can only be employed when the faked cards are already there, or can be substituted for the good ones unseen. Otherwise, the cards must be marked during the game, which is done with the aid of the fingernail or of a ring furnished with a little point which easily pricks the cards unknown to anyone. B. Transferring is an operation which consists either in taking cards away from or in adding cards to a pack. Here the whole hand is used, the cards being taken between the ends of the fingers, which are slightly curved, and the palm of the hand. The cards are hidden for an instant on the knee or in horizontal pockets placed in the cuff of the sleeve or in the back part of the trousers. C. False cards are those which the sharp carries upon him to substitute for others if opportunity permits. Thus the cards which are not marked disappear, and those which are marked or arranged in a certain order take their place. For this operation the cheat must have, in addition to these pockets, much skill and boldness. He has also certain single cards in reserve, which he employs if their design is the same as that of the cards the others are playing with. D. Accomplices like all other swindlers, the card-sharp has need of accomplices. These latter are especially useful when they do not play themselves. The best confederate is, of course, the master of the house who walks up and down the card-room, but if he is not available, any spectator makes a good accomplice. The understanding is brought about, for example, by means of the cigar. The confederate places it in the left corner of the mouth, in the right corner of the mouth, in the middle. He slopes it up, lowers it to the right, etc. Then he can play with his watch chain, emit smoke, and so on. A large number of variations are obtainable in this way by which communications may be made. Another system of signaling, sometimes adopted, is to indicate the fact of certain cards being held by the position in which the cards are laid upon the table. The person signaling, having looked at his hand, wishes to let his accomplice know that he holds a certain card of importance in the game. Therefore, whilst waiting till the other players have sorted their hands, he closes up his cards for the moment and lays them before him on the table. The manner of their disposition will give the required 
queue or as it is called office the end of the cards farthest from the operator may be taken to represent a kind of pointer or watch hand which is set opposite to some particular figure upon an imaginary dial supposed to be drawn upon the table several cards can be indicated in this way and for others additional factors can be introduced for instance the cards may be spread somewhat the top card may project a little to one side or over one end or the operator may keep his fingers resting upon the cards in fact the variety of signals is infinite from the laying down of a cigar to the taking up of a glass of wine from the opening of the mouth to the stroking of the chin every movement however simple and unsuspicious can be made the means of cheating at almost any game a code of signals to indicate every card in the pack and no more difficult to decipher than the morse code in telegraphy can be arranged by anyone in five minutes indeed the morse code itself can be used in connection with what the french sharps call le douce invisible a system of signaling to an accomplice by pressure of the foot under the table in using this system care must of course be taken not to tread on the wrong person's toes other accomplices there are whose duty it is to entice flats into the clutches of the real sharps e the false shuffle is very important to the sharp the sharp shuffles the cards in such a way as to lead everyone to believe they have been thoroughly shuffled whereas in reality not one has altered its position mescaline explains one method of false shuffling as follows the pack is taken in two halves one of which is held in each hand from the right hand half about a half a dozen cards are pushed off and placed beneath those in the left hand then from the left hand three cards say are pushed off and placed beneath those in the right hand this process is continued always putting more cards from right to left than vice versa until the whole pack appears to have been shuffled into the left hand this looks exactly like a genuine shuffle in fact most persons upon having it explained to them will say that the cards really are shuffled but it is not so the effect produced is that of a simple cut it will be seen that this method of shuffling neutralizes the cut which is in itself a most important thing to be done the essential point is to note where the separation of the cards is made in the cut where a confederate cuts the thing is simple otherwise the cut has to be forced f the forced cut may be accomplished by two processes the first is to get the cut made in the place the sharp wishes he relies and rightly upon the psychological phenomenon whereby we always do what takes the least trouble he therefore slips into the pack a card which is larger than the others placing it where he wishes the cards to be cut if this does not succeed he seizes the cards and bends them in the hand lengthways to make a sort of bridge in the first case the flat or confederate seizes the pack at the place where the larger card lies in the second he cuts at the places where the cards begin to bend in opposite directions and the cut is made as the sharp desires it if this does not happen the sharp neutralizes the cut by placing the cards exactly as they were before 
there are many ways of doing this one is to pick up the bottom half with the right hand as though he were about to place it upon the other but instead of so doing he deliberately puts it into his left hand then picking up the top half he adds it to the other in the position it originally occupied another very simple method is to cross the hands picking up the right half of the pack with the left hand and the left half with the right hand the two halves are then put together in their former order the crossing of the hands tends to confuse the eyes and mind of the onlooker so that he really does not know which hand contains the half that should be placed on top this can of course only be done when playing with people who have not their eyes open and have no suspicion they are playing with sharps g passing this consists in drawing false cards from the pack less skill than self-possession is required for its accomplishment the second or third card is got ready drawn right out of the pack instead of the first and laid on the table it is difficult to say how this is done but it is hardly ever noticed when the cheat is at all skilled besides card playing properly so called another card game or rather gamble exists which in spite of its stupidity is practiced the whole world over namely the three card trick the sharp takes three cards generally a king and two others and throws them face upwards upon the table or as this game is usually played in the train on the way to the races upon a traveling rug or newspaper the sharp then takes the three cards and holds them lengthwise between the thumb and the middle finger the back of the hand being turned upwards he then takes one of them in one hand leaving the other two one above the other in the other hand say the left hand with about a finger's breadth of space between them this done he shows the bottom card he is holding in the left hand which is the king and asks the player to remember it well he then turns the cards again passes the right hand in which he holds the one card to the left deposits the card on the table passes the left hand to the right and makes belief to place the bottom card there and returning to the left seems to place the top card beside the first then he slowly changes the places of the cards while the player keeps his eyes always upon the card first placed to the right if he gives the latter as being the king he is wrong for as a matter of fact the cheat has not let the lower card but the top card fall when his dupe thought he saw the bottom one go down however foolish and simple may be this game there are thousands of people who lose money by it it is usually played with the help of a confederate who acts the stranger to the sharp and invariably wins thus inciting others to have a flutter a similar game and one most popular with indian conjurers is that called thimble rigging or little pea where art thou a pea or some such small object is placed on the table and covered with a thimble or half a walnut shell two other thimbles are placed beside it and the pea is rolled from one to the other the flat has then to guess under which thimble the pea lies but he never succeeds in doing so for the pea is simply a little ball of wax which the sharp rapidly picks up with one of his fingernails with such gentry it will be well to examine their nails to see whether one of them is particularly long 
a similar trick is sometimes played with an endless chain thrown on a table in many coils some simple some complex the person to be deceived is invited to put his finger within one of the coils on the table and to bet whether his finger will remain free or be taken prisoner on pulling away the chain this he can never guess because the sharp catches hold of the chain and pulls it according to the position of the finger so that he is always in the right undoubtedly cleverness is necessary and quick sight to know how the coils will run when pulled if the sharp knows his business he always wins generally the chain is carried as a watch chain and accidentally the conversation is brought round to the game and for want of something better the watch chain is employed sometimes a silk pince-nez cord is used this is made wet beforehand to run smoother and lie flatter on the table in this game incredibly large sums are sometimes lost because the thing looks so simple and each person thinks he cannot make a mistake of the many variations two are shown the finger is placed on the table at a accent or a double accent the sharp pulls the string downwards at b after the bet on caught or not caught has been made the figure shows two ways to do this with dice especially there is a great deal of deception all arising from some peculiarity in the dice that the sharper knows of but which is not known to the person he means to dupe with genuine dice it is difficult to deceive either some edges of the dice have been ground away or small bits of lead have been introduced or the dice are hollow and filled with sand or quicksilver or short pig bristles which stick to the tablecloth are introduced into them in short with a little practice the sharper can manipulate the dice as he likes if the dice are seized it is easy to prove what is wrong with them on examination if the corpus delicti is absent evidence of guilt is hardly possible nowadays dice throwing is dying out and it is unnecessary for us to discuss the varied methods by which they are loaded manipulated and thrown for a complete exposition of the subject we refer the reader to mescaline page two twenty nine to explain all the methods of card and dice manipulation would require a volume to itself and it is not our intention to go into them fully all we can do is to give the budding investigating officer some idea of what is and can be done by sharps if he has to deal with card sharpers and some time or other he will come in contact with them he must make the subject a special object of study and we cannot do better than refer him to the books we have mentioned end of section twenty eight